Hello everyone, welcome to our continuing coverage of the Halo 4 campaign. I have with me in the house Brian, Brian Newman to talk about the second Halo 4 mission, Requiem. So, welcome back, Brian. Hey, what's up? Not much. Uh, we are having him back. As you guys have probably heard him on before, the last show he was on was actually talking about some of the spoiler stuff back uh, last December, uh, shortly after the game came out. So, uh, we are happy to have you back on to help us cover the campaign, as we know I think most of the people know that listen to this that you are somewhat of a Halo lore expert. Uh, I mean, I don't, expert's a strong word. Um, I'd actually like to say I'm more of an expert in uh, women's rights and uh, women's suffrage uh, now from the last podcast. <laughs> we got quite a bit of flack back from that. Yeah, I read the comments. <laughs> We're still getting comments. Someone tweeted it today, believe today? it or not. Yeah. Dude, oh my God, send me that tweet, please. Okay, I, I will. Oh, um, that's great. Um, yeah, um, I, I would recommend, you know what, that was, I don't want to take full blame for that, but I, I, I poked something that I shouldn't have, but at the same time, come on. It was coming, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. We, we knew it was going to happen. Yeah, we, I know. It, it was, it was, it was, like, it was, I mean, it was a good conversation, I was, I was totally, I was into it, it was alright. Yeah. What episode that was, that was episode 335 on December 12th. Yes, that's, that's the right one. Yeah, but uh, the, we're gonna have some follow up episodes to, to really dive into more fiction because one of the things that people really wanted to see is is you and Jeff back talking about more of the fiction stuff. So we're gonna definitely have some more shows about the books and more of the Halo story coming uh, next month. Cool. And kind of the month after. So uh, prepare. Well, uh, to- I mean, we we've got a book coming out. Um, not next month, but the beginning of I March. Know, and I gotta finish the the rest of them. Like I'm on. Uh, was it the first one? Uh, Grasslands. I'm on Grasslands right now, and then I gotta get through Thursday Wars, so I'm gonna have to to go through those books as books as quickly as possible. I mean, you can you can hold before. on to those because the next the next book is the last Forerunner book. Yeah, but I, I still want to get through those books because I, I do want to talk about them at some point. Fair um, I, I would like to get those done before Silentium, if possible. If possible. You've read um, you you like you read uh what what's the second one? Primordium, right? Yes, I have read it cool like i'll man primordium was a tough one that was such a difficult re- like i i like primordium a lot but it, like th- i like the last 50 pages of primordium like the first like 300 pages were like lord of the rings like walk and talk walk and talk walk and talk but man so, it had huge payoff so that wasn't guilty spark was it that was a different monitor yeah no that was that was guilty spark oh it was yeah yeah it was pretty cool so Chakras is one of the personalities that went into Guilty Spark. Shit, dude. I'm sitting here reading like one of the comments that showed up a little bit later. Uh-huh. Oh crap, dude. That is mean. Go and boot Johnny John John because that's that's rude. <laughs> it's, it's it's not it's not about me. It's it's that that needs to be deleted. Well, I'll, I'll have to take, it might have been one that got posted like way after. Yeah. What what was the date on it? Uh December twenty third. Yeah, so it was it was outside that week window where I usually check comments. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll go I'll go look at it after we can record this. Yeah. Um but um anyway, so yeah, we got a new book coming out soon, which um pretty awesome. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh do we know what the I, I there's probably been experts about it that I have just haven't looked up on yeah, it yet. What's, they've had experts for several months. Um What's the premise? Um it is the final days of the Forerunner Flood War. Um the Halos are about to be primed and fired. Um, right, right now, uh, we have the two Didex. Uh, it, one of the big things about Cryptum was that Cryptum very heavily implied that th- the main Didact died. The Erdidact? The Erdidact. I, I don't call him that. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> the, like, the Erdidact. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not <laughs> I, um, I refuse it. But, um, anyway, uh, the Didact did not die. And obviously he didn't die because we're fighting him in Halo 4. That is the main die deck, the one we see in Halo 4. Um, so we're actually going to be seeing two split narratives, I would presume. We're going to be seeing die deck story, and then we're going to be seeing Born Stellar story. Because it seems at this point that Born Stellar is the one who activated Halo. He is the die deck that's always mentioned in the Halos. And like we see him at the end of Primordium. He's fully grown now. He's you know more representative of what the die deck really is. You know, he's not a kid anymore. You know, it's been a few years. Right. Um so uh, definitely, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sitting here reading uh, emails from H Bomb at the same time trying to do this. Something <laughs> funny is going on. Guy, Schooly D is a funny guy. That's all I can say. All right. But uh, 
anyway, um, so this this uh, the excerpt from this book is um, it's it's there's like some of the stuff from the terminals in Halo Four has got to be going on in this book. They got to be getting into that. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen the cover art for Silentium? Yes. It, that'll be the first time I'm ever embarrassed to read a Halo book in public. That is the worst cover art yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not a life. very good one. Uh, you've got Didact, who looks like some crazy, evil, maniacal villain. He's got like his cryptum in his hands, and he's making it look like a like a crystal ball or some shit like that. And Librarian on there is like trying to have a sex-off competition with Cortana. And <laughs> I, I mean, they they dressed her up all skanky, which I, I don't I don't know why. Anyway, it's, I, it's a really odd-looking cover. That is a weird cover. Somebody, yeah. Like, you know what? I have um I've got a framed picture. It's autographed by uh, Sparth. Uh, the artist who uh, does the the Halo Four concept art of the original cover for actually you might have you should have one as well you got one from uh from from Pax uh, the original cover art for Silentium. And yeah, I have it floating around it. somewhere. Oh yeah, changed, yeah, yeah. Changed it. They changed it, and I'm like, wow, guys, why would you do that? Like this, and the initial cover art looks great. Nicholas Bouvier is, I believe, his name. That's actually up on the wall in my other in my living room, I think. Yeah. Uh, I've got it like sitting up here framed, and like that is a gorgeous cover art, and they changed it, and it looked like ugh, anyway. That's too sad. Yeah, that is sad. But anyway, so we got that book coming out soon, so <clears throat> super excited about that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, but getting back on topic, we're going to be looking at the Halo Four second mission for the campaign, Requiem. So this is the one that you crash landed on the planet. Well, actually, the opening cutscene is you're still crash landing on the planet. Um. And we made this uh, joke a little bit earlier as we were playing through the level before the podcast is that the chief can survive like how many outer space falls to a planet, but yet can't survive a, a slight drop in campaign or something like that. Oh, yeah. No, it's a little bit weird. I mean, so. dude, he, he takes orbital flaws, uh, orbital flaws, excuse me, orbital falls. <laughs> yes, orbital flaws. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a flaw in how you're supposed to get from orbit to the ground without any vehicles. There's a flaw there somewhere in his reasoning. It's like, all right, let's just jump. Screw this. But uh, anyway, yeah, in any orbital fall, he's uh, he's he's gotten really good at surviving those. Good good on him. Yeah, we saw it in Halo 2, we saw it in Halo 3, and now we've seen it in Halo 4. What do you do in Halo 2? Uh, when he planted the bomb? I mean, he... Well, I mean, okay, it, it wasn't it wasn't an orbital drop, but he still smashed into... Okay, yeah, he hit that ship with enough velocity to uh, be turned into, uh, like, a bug on a windshield. Absolutely, right. You're, you're right. But anyway, um, Spartans are awesome, and then they can do that, so... Uh, I mean, there's, there's a canon thing that they've always had. Like, they've had it since the third book, that Spartans can survive huge, huge, huge plunges like that. That, uh, I mean, the, the, there's that sequence in the third book where Fred and all the other Spartans jump out of the back of a pelican... That's thousands of feet in the air um, because their their Mjolnir armor has like a cushioning layer in addition to it's it's space magic, basically. But uh, right. didn't they like jump out into that here. trench and reach or something like that? I forget. I forget where, but it was back on reach, right? I don't know. They did some anyway. But I mean, the, the point is their bone, their bones can handle it um, to an extent. Like, the problem with it is not that it's not their bones. It's their internal organs. Like, you've got your organs smashing around to the inside of your body. That's not good. And that, uh, I mean, like whenever, you know, like say, you know, somebody hits their head, you know, it's not like the trauma of like, oh, you cracked your skull. It's the fact that your brain was bouncing around inside your skull. That's the, it's stuff like that that is dangerous, right? Right. Well, their armor and their bones can kind of compensate for that, but their organs definitely take a pounding doing that. They have to get them replaced frequently. Yeah. Well, I'd be very interested to know, like this is, this is definitely off topic from the second episode. So I'm sorry. Uh, the second chapter of Halo 4, but I wonder what are the Spartans' actual biological ages? Because, you know, they go into cryo so often, but they get their organs replaced so often. Hmm. Like, biologically speaking, how old is Master Chief? Like, we know from, like, the day he was born to Halo 3. Current day. Yeah, to to Halo 4, excuse me. He should be, like, 46, right? But... Is it really that old? Yeah, yeah, he was born in uh, 2511. So like he's like forty five. He's now twenty five sixty one. No, it's twenty five uh, fifty seven. Oh okay. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah so like depending on 45, where forty five forty. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So like depending on where his birthday falls, he's all either like forty five or forty six, right? Um, but he's just missed out on almost like the past five years of his life from cryo. Who knows how long he'd been in cryo before Halo Four, right? Before Halo One. And that slows down the the cellular growth process. So that's like. 
shave off of five years. Yeah, ex- I mean, exactly. Like, I mean, who knows? And you don't age in cryo, so who knows? And, I mean, he was in cryo in uh, in between Halo Reach and Halo 1 for, like, two weeks or a month. Uh, I mean, he had the same thing in Halo 2, you know, in Halo 3. You know, there's some time stuff in there where he was in cryo. Um, who knows how old this guy really is? Like, at the end of Halo 4, if you've beaten on Legendary, big spoiler here, uh, you kind of get to see, like, the rim of his eyes. And, like, he looks stressed. So, I mean, I mean, he's got a pretty stressful job. He looks like an older guy. You know, he looks age-appropriate. But right. Well, some people I mean, will attribute that to the <clears throat> Brevet mutation, too. But What are you talking about? You mean Didact? No, the thing that the librarian did to the chief. That ah, uh, I don't think that would change his face though. That that was that was not a physical thing. Well, I mean, so I've heard that, that, that was as not, an argument. That wasn't them doing a a mutation. That was a brevet. I didn't mutation. think so either, but I've heard that, that was, argument from people. Okay, that is actually one of my biggest problems with Halo Four, though. I'm glad you bring that up. Is that the librarian essentially kind of rewrote humans' genetics so that we have this immunity to composition, but it has to be unlocked. I don't really know what that means, but hopefully somebody will explain that later. The 343 will come along and fix and explain why it has to be unlocked. Like maybe yeah. there's a failsafe in there. Maybe she maybe she kept it like that so that one day if humans were getting too pissy that she could. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I mean, yeah, we can we can we can like, save that hey, for another podcast too because yeah. there's there's a lot of stuff yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that we are so going to be. Like, we're getting so far off tangent right now. This is well, my I, fault. Mean, I mean, how many different podcasts could we talk about all this different stuff that's gone on in the campaign? I mean, this is. I think this campaign by far is probably the most concentrated <laughs> chunk of Halo lore that we've gotten so far um, because it's the least all over the place. Absolutely. Like every other. Yeah, actually, you know, what? I'm going to say Halo one is a little bit more concentrated, but every other Halo game is all over the place. You are just jumping from place to place to place to place to place to place to place. This one is definitely much more concentrated. Yeah, but there's a lot of like tangents where if you keep pulling on that rope, you're going to find something that's like they, they could take an entire podcast to talk about. So there's there's definitely going to be a string of those coming up here soon, guys. Yeah. So we'll we'll try to keep this part on track a little bit. Okay. So um, so you're falling down to Requiem and you land in this big pile of of rubble. And uh, one thing that we found while we were uh, messing around is there's a few terminals that you can actually go around and activate. Uh, the one I think most people find uh, is the one of Dr. Halsey's kind of research entry, and it actually talks about uh recessive gene that she has that could affect um like how long that she might be living and in turn may affect uh cortana i mean that was just a guess on my part she said the word recessive trait so no, no, I, I had the same feeling like yeah uh, i mean if you if anybody's ever taken a biology class and they you know they know you know recessive and dominant genes uh so maybe um cortana is the only ai to have ever actually been made from a human's brain uh, from, from a live human's brain, excuse me. Every other AI is made from a dead human's brain. So she's the only one to be made from an actual living tissue, uh, which was a clone brain. Um, so maybe there Flash is some clone. weird... <laughs> yeah, maybe there is some weird genetic trait that just stuck. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. Um, it, it probably has something to do with uh, Librarian and her big plan, because you know how Librarian said that she influenced Cortana's creation? Yeah. I'm actually ready to bet that is exactly what it is, now that we think about that. <laughs> we, may have, we may have just answered that question right there. But uh, yeah, I'm sitting here running through this while we're while we're talking. I've got the volume on mute, so we shouldn't be able to hear it through the speakers. Nope. Um, I've got it on low, anyway. So I don't, uh, I don't hear it, so you're good. You don't hear it? Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, there's that one amazingly beautiful spot in Requiem, which just jumps. Well, let, let, let's hit the other two terminals first. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was, I was, sorry. I was skipping those. No, no, yeah. no. You're fine. Um, usually I would, I would encourage that, but I want to I kind of cover these a little bit since we managed to find them when we were going through it. Okay, um, cool. But there's two other Covenant ones that you can find as well. There's one that's a broadcast of uh, Di- what is it? Didact they were saying over and over again. Yeah, so the Covenant are just sitting there chanting "Didact, Didact, Didact." Um, it, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a religious chant. It's like a beacon, and apparently it was broadcasting every thirty minutes over the past three years. Um, so that that's kind of interesting. We can get into that a little bit later too. Well, I uh, guess the, I mean it's, it, we can sum it up. I mean, like the the Coveys knew that Didact was on Requiem. Um, they they've known. They actually they knew before the UNSC did. Um, that that's the big plot line of Thursday War is uh, Jewel and Dama. You see him in Spartan Ops, uh, him essentially gathering the storm and uh, trying to find Requiem. And, and that's part of the first terminal, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Um, 
I always forget about that terminal because they released that before the game. So I don't know. I, I never. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I always skip that one. I never include that one. I don't know why. That's stupid of me. But um, anyway, so they're just sitting there chanting Didact, trying to get Didact to open the door to Requiem. But Didact cannot be awoken by Covenant because if you remember, uh, it was a reclaimer. You know, it was the reclaimer symbol that would open Didact's chamber. So he needed a human. So, you know, hey, we're not going to let the Covenant in here because, I mean, what the hell are they going to do? They're just going to break it, right? But uh, anyway, as soon as Master like Chief arrived. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As soon as Master Chief arrived. Uh, he was like, oh, we have a reclaimer here. Interesting. Okay, sweet. Time for me to get out of this place. Let's let them all here. They can all come in here. Go. Just make a big party here. So that was cool. And then there was the other terminal that uh, was more religious banter. It was like, uh, you know, like the Covenant were doing this little, they were speaking in Covenant language. Yeah, it, and, it was uh, like a. Uh, Cortana was translating. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was like a poem or a, like a, a preaching of some kind. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, they use the word nigh a lot, you know, so you know, the end is nigh, the, the forerunners are nigh, something like that, the, the Promethean. We had that little conversation about, I am i don't know why the Covenant don't have their own word for Promethean, which, it's a Greek word, so, whatever. Yeah, so, Take it. I mean, whatever. So, now we can get on to the, uh, the beautiful Vista. So, after, after you uh, navigate through there, find your weapon that you want to pick up, um, if you look hard enough, you can find a, uh, a couple BRs or a sniper rifle, a saw, uh, there's carbines, plasma pistols, grenades and whatnot. So after you, uh, venture through all that, you take a pretty decently sized walk all the way through this kind of canyon area. And then you get to probably one of the most beautiful points in Halo 4. And then this, yeah, is, this is so cool. Whatever these big spire things are that are moving up and down, I don't know what they are or what they do. I think it's, awesome. it's, I think it, aren't they supposed to be there to help keep the shell centered around the planet? I might be. I don't know. Um, I thought that's what I, they I, were for. I haven't looked into the uh, mechanics of building a Dyson Sphere yet. So, I mean, that, that I, I, I picked up Dyson Sphere for dummies yesterday. So, I mean, I'll get on to it. But, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, that has been the top of my priorities. Um, actually, like, it's a cool area. Like, there's actually, like, some, if you zoom in, you can see. I wish I had the sniper rifle now. Damn it! Um, if you zoom in with your glasses, you with your with your binoculars, you your can visor. see like some kind of your visor. Thank you. There's birds, some kind of weird birds in the background. I guess like there's one from Guardian, maybe. You know, like you, you remember the Halo Three map, Guardian. Yeah, the, the yeah, those weird looking things. Yeah. Um, like I mean, as soon as you zoom in, all the textures go to shit because it's paintings. That's not like real geometry. But right. uh, like you see like waterfalls that are actually moving, like they did like the art. They, they got, like, moving art. I don't know what that's called. But, uh, yeah, it's very, very cool. This is just such a such a pretty area. Like, I mean, I stopped when I was playing the game for the first time and just looked at those towers for, like, five minutes straight. Well, and, if you guys and, remember the concept art, too, that they showed off for this, that's pretty much what that was. If you guys remember the, the Warthog uh, was on the left and you had the pillars on the right, that's pretty much what that scene was. Yeah, and it was so good to see... Yeah, you know what? It, it, this is the this is the first place that I would show somebody who says that games aren't art. This is one of the first things I would take them to. I would say, all right, now you look at this and tell me that this isn't art. This is gorgeous. Uh, I mean, especially I mean, like the fact that you have to have, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that you have to have artists who do this on a two D level, and then the three D artists who have to make that a reality, that concept art into something real. Um, I, I mean, like I, I don't know how often you ever get into this debate. I've gotten into this debate with people. Video games are by, they are an art form. They're among one of the they best are. possible. Uh, they're a great method for, I mean, they're a unique method for delivering stories as a medium. And this level right here, there are a couple of games that I would take people to to show, like, okay, this is art. Like, Uncharted, that is art. Uh, I mean, it, Halo 4, this is just one of those areas where it's like, look at this. Now you tell me this isn't gorgeous. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I did. Anyway, if I mean, anybody vi- ever looks down their nose at video games and says the video games aren't art, uh, you quickly punch that person square in the nose. <laughs> I have no. I mean, it's an art form. It's 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 a lot of different art forms put together. It's it's the art of of storytelling. It's the art of making music. It's the art of. I, I mean, yeah, everything. I mean, graphics it is, it is a combined art form. I mean, I mean that's it, one of the challenging things about a video game like this is is that's it's a whole bunch of different pieces coming together to make one big piece that's really 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 good 
You know what? I I don't know if we're ever going to reach a point like this with games. I mean, I, I guess the games industry is going to have to eclipse the movie industry in this way. I mean, like, video games already make more money than the movies and music industry combined, but that also doesn't help that video games are also worth, like, you know, for every $20 movie, you have a $60 video game title, so, I mean, that doesn't really count. But imagine the day where we are beyond, like, you know, 20 or 30 or $40 million video game titles. Like, your average video game costs anywhere from, like, 10 to, you know, $30 million to make. Uh, Halo, I, I mean, obviously, your Halos and your Call of Duties and your Assassin's Creed's are a little bit different. Halos, you know, closer around 50 or $60 million. But... Think about those, like, I mean, when we get video game budgets that are bigger than movies, you know, I mean, like, your your average Hollywood blockbuster is a $100 million budget or more. Like, Skyfall, a movie that really didn't have any, like, crazy, you know, CG effects or anything like that. Which I great still haven't movie. seen. A great movie, but, I mean, it's not like there's, like, any crazy CG or anything like that. That had a $200 million budget, right? I mean, that, that was, I mean, $200 million to make that movie. Great movie. Uh, uh-huh. Imagine when we start seeing video games like that. Imagine just like how the art will just how it will shine. I, I think the next console generation that's that's really well, where I, it's going to blow up. Well, I, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that works because Microsoft. I mean, this is definitely not in their plan for episode two, for level two of Halo Four Requiem. So I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Microsoft has already put out job listings for, and I, I'm this is not a typo. They actually said quadruple A titles. Um. I'm not exactly certain how the dollar value works, but you know how, how you have like your single A titles, your double A titles, and then your triple A titles, you know, like your Halos, your Call of Duties, your Mass Effects, whatever. Um, that is done based on, you know, how many people work on the game, you know, the budget, etc. I mean, Grand Theft Auto V is a triple A title. What is that, what, that's going to be probably one of the most expensive games ever made. What the hell is a quadruple A title? You know? I, I mean, how much... Uh, I don't have... <laughs> How much money does that cost? But at the same time, though, uh, developers have already kind of come out and said, though, that developing for next gen isn't going to be as expensive because we've learned so many new things. So I really don't know. I really, really, really don't know. I guess it'll yet to be seen until we have the Xbox finally in our hands this Christmas, the new yeah. one. Uh, hopefully this Christmas. I can't wait. I, I, it'll, it'll come. I already saw an article like that got posted last like November. It says... Be ready for the new Xbox coming this winter uh, holiday I mean, season. It, that's so. nothing official. I mean, it, it's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna happen. There, it's there's, gonna happen. but it, like, there's still room for like, there's still like that, like five percent chance that it might not. Because I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, this console cycle has been long overdue. Frankly, I, I mean, this is the longest console cycle ever. By the time the next Xbox comes out this November, Xbox 360 will be eight years old. That is that is by three years the longest console cycle ever. Um, it, it's it's and, you know it's interesting it's set that, precedences. So yeah, we still get titles this late in the cycle that change the game. Like Halo Four is gorgeous. Uh, I mean, I mean, and that's I mean, years and years and years and years later. And even though we have way better tech now, they're still able to produce such amazing games. So, but I, I've, been when wanting, I've been wanting a new console for a very long time now, and uh, and I'm not a PC guy. I will be a PC guy soon. I bought a new computer, uh, so I, I'm I'm definitely I'm more of a console guy. But I, I bought a PC for for you know for work for for some uh, nice. for movie making stuff. I bought a very nice one that will be able to run Crisis Three at maximum, <laughs> but uh, maximum Crisis Three. But um, I'm very interested to see where these new consoles are going. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'll say that much. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting here driving around Requiem, and um, one of the things I love is just the the art, uh, the art style, um, the environment is like, you know that area where you get the warthog and you drive out and you have your first real engagement. Yeah, kind of looks like Mordor, I guess. I don't know, like without lava, it's like the green. What Mordor would look like if, <laughs> okay. if Sauron wasn't like a big smoker and like, a, right. like was like a heavy smoker and like he you know didn't like set on fire. And like let everything grow. Like it's these big, sharp, craggy rocks. Like they look almost kind of menacing, but it's so like gorgeous at the same time. Such okay. a is the art style in this game is really truly brilliant. Yeah, it's it's really pretty, especially when you look at uh, the infinity level, the fourth mission. That has some pretty stuff in it too. All the forest. Yeah, that stuff. Also, actually, you know what? Um, the prettiest moment in all the in the entire game, I think. Um, 
it was in a cutscene, admittedly, so it doesn't count. Like, I mean, the moment here in Requiem where you you walk out and you see these pillars, those are the best in-game moments. I think the best cutscene moment we got out of Halo 4 was um, the level composer. You know where uh, Master, you see Master Chief in space, and uh, he's looking at Halo? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that cutscene shines. That was, that was pretty. That there, there are a lot of pretty cutscenes. Now, imagine if we can get that, like, in-game. <laughs> that, that's all I, that, that is what I want. I well, that that was rendered in-game, right? Yeah, but, I mean, you're not playing it, though. I mean, like, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. It, like, even though they, they all come from... It's not rendered from in-game. It comes from in-engine, but it's not from in-game. So... Well, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know the technical term behind it. I mean, maybe somebody in the audience is smart enough to tell us. But, um, I mean, there's there's differences in how it's done. Right. And, I mean, I imagine the game natively looking that good. That'd be sweet. So, uh, right now, I'm sitting here nice. just doing the playthrough right now. I'm going through the tunnel... And, well, so uh, yeah, so uh, before you before you get too far, I do want to okay. mention the achievement um, because oh, I think I think you already yeah. passed that up. Uh, but as you're doing your jumps, going through all the wreckage, there's an achievement that you get, and this one's a little specific. Um, it's, some people will usually kind of uh, set up this scenario so they can get it, but the achievement is called Midnight Launch, and it's for 20 gamer score. And what you have to do is do a decently sized warthog jump like if you do any one of the big jumps uh that you do when you're going through all the wreckage it's fine but it has to be at midnight so your clock on your xbox has to say 12 a.m i think it gives you a little bit of leeway because it did for me like mine was like 1202 and it was like okay you can oh, okay I, I think it gives you a slight amount of leeway um people right. have been like resetting their xbox internal clocks to do that i just I mean, I if, waited. If, I actually waited. Yeah, I was about to say, if your bedtime is nine o'clock, then by all means, go ahead and do that. But I mean, just, just stay up and do the damn thing. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it's. I, you know what? I I'm 100 against that achievement because that is a stupid achievement. It is. It really That's is. Terrible, terrible achievement. That, that was one of the achievements. I'm like, really? You know what? Though, at least I have that one. Like, I, I will take that achievement any day of of the week over those damn multiplayer achievements they just added. Oh, I still hate the ones from Halo Three. Uh, you know what? I I kind of like the ones from Halo Three. Like I will take. I realize that there's the some two for one laser that. kill. No, no. I was just about to say that's the exception, right? That and the mongoose one are the two exceptions. But like a majority of Halo Reach, uh, excuse me, of Halo 3's multiplayer achievements were like get an overkill, get a perfection, get a running riot. <laughs> done, done, done. All right, what's next? I don't think perfection was one of them because I've never gotten the perfection in Halo Three. There, uh, you sure? Yep. I'm pretty certain there's an achievement for perfection. Nope. I don't think so. Okay, well, maybe not. Um, but anyway, whatever. The point is, they were still. Oh, no, no, no. One of the DLCs had a perfection. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll count that. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Well, that I, I kind of. That was kinda, what I meant by multiplayer achievements for. Okay, okay. For I kind of boosted for that one with friends. Oh, okay. So um, those of us who aren't cheaters uh, got that legitimately. And. Uh, it was semi legitimate. Like, we were actually playing. It's just focusing on making sure I didn't die. <laughs> of course, of course. I'm certain. But uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah, so moving on. Uh, so the that, first that midnight launch achievement is not tough to get; it's just annoying. Right. Um, but after you get that achievement, you come up on your first set of enemies. There are three sniper towers kind of scattered out in this open area with kind of rocks that stick up everywhere. So your your first group of coming in is off a little bit to your left as you come out, and then there's another one that's up on a rock face over on the right hand side. Then after you take those out, there are some grunts in the middle with some ghosts that are laying on the ground. And then all the way in the back where you continue your trek on through the mission is another sniper tower. And you take out those enemies as well. And um, this one, this area doesn't take too long unless you're on, on legendary. It could take a while just to make sure you get all the jackal snipers and everything else that's going to try to shoot you. But if you're playing co-op, definitely use the warthog because it, it will suit your uh playing ability very handily and it will help you get rid of the enemies really quickly um, on legendary i just uh i just parked up the warthog and just took everything out yeah and that, that's good too um although you do that, have to kind of watch out for the fuel rod grunts because they they will shoot they actually have quite a bit of range i found when i was yeah there. but they're, they're super slow though and like you typically have enough time to dodge them it's if yeah. you park up in the right spot, you're fine. I'm actually, I'm a little bit ahead right now. I, I skipped ahead to the. No, uh, that's fine. That's fine. I, I just got like my camouflage unit, which. Oh, was, you're really far ahead. I mean, I'm not too far ahead. I'm just past like the main engagement. There, yeah. there aren't many engagements in this level. No, um, there, there, there's not. This this level's kind of one of the short levels, although we have been rambling a little bit. Um, yeah, I blame you for that. You know, <laughs> get off topic about like, I mean, books and 
sexism and stuff like that. I mean, you gotta stop this. I mean, this just... Okay, well, uh, we'll move on then. After you take out all the enemies <laughs> in that in that first area, um, there is a uh, in that third area with the sniper tower. There is one of the elites that's up on the the next rock face that you have to go to. He does have a concussion rifle, so if you're on legendary, he will kind of toss you around a little bit if you're not careful. So after you take him out, you go up a further walkway. If you're playing anything on, I think, Heroic or Legendary, uh, one of the grunts that you'll run into as you're walking up the path is is a fuel rod grunt. Uh, I think there may be two of them, actually. So just uh, be careful as you're walking up, because once you turn that corner, there have been times where at least I've instantly blown up. <laughs> so one of the things I recommend is if you're sprinting, as you turn the corner, jump. So that first set of fuel rods miss you, and then... Just pull out your pistol, whatever uh, precision weapon you have, and uh, headshot all the grunts. You be a boss and charge them headlong too, like I do. Or, or you can do that. Be a boss if if you want. <laughs> um, but after you do that, uh, you come up on your second engagement of Covenant, and this one is uh, somewhat familiar, as you will, uh, if you've played Spartan Ups, you will recognize the area that you're playing in. Um, if you guys remember the map, the Gate. This is actually where that map comes from, is this section of the campaign right here. So you have a couple of elites that are on the ground level, a few grunts and everything. There are some uh, assault rifle ammo and I think a covenant weapon crate over to the right-hand side as you first enter the area. So you can uh, replenish any ammo you need from there. Uh, pick either side of the uh, tower to go up on. I think most people choose the right side whenever they go up. Uh, I don't know if that's, I think that's just natural tendency, but you can go over to the left side if you want. And there's actually a path up the rocks on the front, on the left, on the front left hand side. I think you can jump up. I think, I think that, uh, geography is there in the campaign like it is in the Spartan Ops. So you can jump up that way. And there is a camo elite when you get to the very top. So make sure you keep an eye out for any glimmers that you may see. And then after you take out all the enemies in that area, the camo, and once you kill the camo elite, he'll drop his camo pack. And this is actually uh, an interesting part of the campaign where they actually introduce you to armor abilities. So up to this point, you don't have any. And this is the first time you actually see kind of uh, armor ability integrated into the storyline. Which is pretty sweet. I like how that's, we were talking about this earlier. I like how that that is part of the, like, the story. It's like, oh, this is a real thing on Master Chief's back. Whereas in Halo Reach, it was just kind of like, it was just a gameplay component. There was never really any story to it. You know, it was just like, I mean, I always found it to be very odd in Halo Reach where, you know, Spartans are supposed to be an incredibly rare thing to see on the battlefield, right? Like most Marines never, ever see a Spartan ever in their lives, right? I mean, they're just so rare. Um, Well, isn't the only time that they even reference using an armor ability is when you're on uh, Exodus and you're and one of the... the yeah, the jetpack is the only thing that they even reference, and that's because yeah. they're using them. But I always thought that that was so weird. Is like you see like these ammo caches in Reach, and it's like, oh, there is an armor ability as well. It's like that. All right, that's a little odd. Like, oh, hey, this Spartan in a full suit of Mjolnir armor just happened to come by. Well, that's good because we had these damn armor abilities that we weren't using. So hey, this works. Yeah. But, so hey. this was a nice, like, gentle introduction into what armor ability kind of is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got this thing with armor abilities in Halo Reach, though, uh, if it's not thruster, then get out. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> thruster, like, thruster's such a fun armor ability, I really, I love it, and there is nothing more fun in Halo 4 than playing, um, the level composer in getting the thruster on the ship and thrusting around hunters. My god, <laughs> that is, like, the highlight of the, that level, gameplay-wise, for me, that was so much fun. So, yeah, but that's, that's one of the nice little things about the Halo 4 campaign that that at least you brought up, and I thought I kind of agreed that it was an, a nice, gentle way of introducing it instead of just, like, dropping it in there like it was for uh, Halo Reach. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was it was subtle. It was just a nice, subtle little gameplay maneuver. Um, so where I'm – I've, I've kind of gone up a little bit here. I did the, uh, the thing where you split off and do the – Yeah, so um, – Shield drainers that, uh, that activate – yeah, so so the next part that, that you come into after you go through this tower is you get to this open kind of atrium area, and you actually see sentinels for the first time in the game. Um, Pretty great, cool. And they're actually friendly sentinels. You don't have to actually shoot at them. They they will uh, kind of work with you, and later on in the level, they actually do work for you. Um, not directly, but indirectly. 
what you have to do in here is you have to go to uh, what looks like a pedestal for kind of like a, a map of Requiem. So you go up to it, you plug Cortana in, and she reads some of the data off of it. It's like, um, this plan is de- designated Requiem. And then she tries to uh, kind of dig deeper into the pedestal, and then it flashes red, and you actually get a small glimpse of the didact symbol. That's actually another interesting thing. Uh, like you know, like how the the elites don't have a their own word for Promethean. Mm-hmm. Requiem's another word. It's like oh, they had the exact same word for this as we did. There's no translation. It's just it's the word. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Huh. Sounds like there's a few uh, plot holes. Well, well I, yeah, you know what? I don't want to call that a plot hole because I mean there there's a very easy solution to this. Even though I'm just coming up with this just off the top of my head, the solution is that when the forerunners when they changed humans' genes, that could have been one of the things that they influenced. Is they could have language? known, you know, yeah, language. They could have known, you know, a hundred thousand years from now, um, you will be speaking this ver I mean, who knows? English could be the language that the humans are speaking a hundred thousand years ago in the terminals. Who knows? It could be the exact same language and the forerunners were like, you know what, we're just gonna keep this in your latent genes that your language will evolve as such. Huh. Um yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, that, that's just I'm just off the top of my head. I'm like, okay, th- there's an excuse. No, I, I can I can I can accept that. Yeah, totally. Um, anyways, after you activate the map the first time, uh, since it shuts down, Cortana basically says that she detects two different data streams that are kind of filtering data into this pedestal. So if if you're playing co-op, you can split off and do both of them at the same time. But if you're playing solo, you go off to one side, you hit a button to activate a bridge, then you hit another button to disrupt the whatever power data stream that's there and your your shields will actually flare uh flare off as if they were discharged and uh, cortana has a reason for that is that it's just reacting to the ferromagnetic properties of the data stream um so um, that kind of halo one-esque yeah very yeah very, very halo one-esque uh after that switch, you go back out into the main atrium. There's some covenant that start to go down, but if you're quick enough, you can just run straight over to the other side without having to interact with them. Do the same thing for the second side, and then you have to worry about the covenant. Uh, there are some weapon crates uh, scattered throughout that are, have covenant weapons in them. If you're on the uh, right side of the atrium, so when you first come in, if you are on the end up on the right side, there is a weapon crate over there with uh, carbine ammo, and there's another crate over there with needlers. So I would suggest going to the left side first and then running over to the right side and then coming out on the right hand side and you can uh, pick up the weapons from those ammo crates after yep. you, you take out all the covenant well I, I found that you don't have to take out all of them you do definitely have to take out all the elites but if you leave a couple of jackals left over I think the game is like okay with it um, after you do that you plug Cortana back in and then there's this whole elongated cutscene sequence where she's trying to figure out where this transmission is coming from and you see the whole bunch of different transmission symbols come up and then it's like immediately clears up after a certain point and then it says it's in the middle of requiem well uh if you've played the campaign you know what's there so you obviously know what's kind of uh leading them onwards because uh, after master chief pulls cortana out and starts walking off you see the didact symbol flash behind them so you obviously know that he's influencing their trek into requiem you know what my favorite thing about that cutscene that's gonna sound a little weird but um, the Master Chief animation that they did. Um, so Halo 4 did something really amazing that I think was honestly maybe even the biggest success of the entire game was the way they did all of their motion capturing animations. And uh, essentially each, you know, Master Chief and Cortana and such, they have their uh, own, you know, body actor, their own motion capture actor. And uh, Bruce Thomas is the guy who plays Master Chief. And he does such a good job of just moving the way Master Chief would. Like, if you read the books, Spartans, they move very elegantly, uh, like, whenever they're in combat. But at the same time, though, they're supposed to be a little, like, just in, like... They're big and bulky. They're, well, not necessarily, because, I mean, it's a it's proportionate to their body, right? It's just that they, they move so much faster than a normal human that it looks awkward to an extent. But uh, at the same time, though, he makes it look very smooth, very elegant, but very forceful, though. And he does he does an awesome job. Um, Bruce Thomas, very talented guy. He he made Master Chief come alive in this. Like I think that is a big thing that we're going to be seeing in a lot of next gen titles. Is most video games will finally start adapting this model of where we're just going to motion capture everything because it looks so much better. 
I mean, like, compare this cutscene to, you know, Halo... Halo Reach had uh, some mocap, and, like, a lot of it was, but not all of it. But, I mean, like, directly compare Halo 4's movements just to the Halo 3's cutscene movements, right? Just the way they move looks so much better. It, it does just, look it, a lot smoother, that, yeah. That the, you know, maybe I'm just the oddball here. Like, that is just the thing that stuck out to me was, wow, just him moving, just the, just the way he's walking, just it looks great. That thing where he reaches up to, you know, plug Cortana out of his head, it just looks awesome. It's such a good job of the animations in this game. Really I good. I have to pay attention to that next time. Yeah, dude, like, it's, um, it's essentially, like, even the gameplay animations were, uh, I, I mean, I think, like, maybe the assassinations were probably weren't because those would be pretty tough to do. Well, but, it uh, did, it did look like, it, like, just, just thinking about it, it does seem like the, the body motions for the Master Chief in Halo 4 is a lot smoother than it was in past Halo games. Uh, you know, like, the best example I can ever give you is watch the scene in Halo 2 or Halo 3 whenever Master Chief is sprinting in a cutscene. Like, you know that part in Halo 2 where the, uh, you know, you just finished killing Truth and, uh, they start glassing? Yeah, no, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not Truth, what's his name? Um, Regret. Regret. Yeah, you just finished killing Regret. And you know, like, how herky-jerky his running is? It looks yeah. stupid. And Halo 3 does the exact same thing. There's a sequence in that where you're running, and it just looks awful. Well, I wonder if that's the difference just because... Because of the mocap that they're using for Halo 4. Yeah, that, that is the difference, exactly, is that they're using a real actor, like a real person is doing these movements. It's not an animator trying to guess what it looks like. Uh, I mean, th- this is the... It looks a lot smoother. Yeah, exactly. It brings a lot more humanity to to the just the acting in general. And it really, I mean, it it's a big deal. I think it's a really awesome thing. I mean, it is a, I real, agree. It's a real person who is doing these movements. I think yeah. it's very cool. Um, yeah, you can see that in just in in every one of the cutscenes. I mean, just like next time, I mean, I look for stuff like that because you know I, I make movies and you know, I do some stuff along those lines. So I mean, I'm always looking for stuff like that, right? But uh, next time, next time you're watching a cutscene, just like just watch, just like wow. Compare this to your favorite other video game, right? To any video game that you have, and sit there and think, man, dude, does this look like? I mean, do do any other games have this level of animation? Uh, like Uncharted yeah. and God of War are like the only two others I can think of that are even anywhere near this degree. Like, I think Uncharted's slightly better. Okay. But, but man, the, the animations are just, the, the motion capture's just solid. <laughs> they nailed it. All right. But, um, so, so where are you right now? Are you doing simultaneous gameplay? Is why I guess you, you have to be to be able to sit there and... No, just... I'm actually just running through this off memory. Really? That's that's nuts, man. Awesome. Yeah, um, so uh, after after the map room... I'm the area right now. Yeah, so that's, that's the area right after the map room. So after the map room, you actually... Um, you walk through into this room, and there's some weird funky beam structure that we're not sure what exactly is going on. Um, it's, it's just a, a re-entry point back into the campaign, though, after the cutscene. So you walk out the door, and then you're on this platform, and below you is, like uh, Brian just said, kind of a narrows-like bridge that, that spans across this big canyon. And this is, this is another one, kind of those pretty moments, I think, in the game, where you just have the lighting effect that of the the sun from Requiem that's kind of shining into the canyon, but shining at you. So you kind of have a lens flare and it's kind of hard to um, see all the enemies on the bridge, just kind of like you would in normal life. Um, the only call my laser beam out in the distance. <laughs> it's like, it's pulsing. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm looking at that now. Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, the, only, <laughs> the only call I have with, Sorry, with that though, is that um, like canonically the visor is supposed to kind of help, like polarize and kind of filter out that light. So, I mean, that, that's the one qualm I have with it because when you, when you're down there, um, if, if you take the elevator down immediately, you're, you'll be dumped right into the middle of, uh, jackals and grunts. So it's a good idea to take them out while you're on top of the bridge. You can actually go to one of the sides and shoot down and take most of them out. But as you make your way down, once you start walking up the bridge, it's just the sun is glaring in your eyes and it's hard to see some of the enemies sometimes. Do not give 343 any ideas. If my screen starts polarizing, getting darker and lighter, like just in random intervals, I will be pissed. Well, it's, it's, like, it's, oh, it's more like, like, on, it's like, hang on, Mess Chief, put on your shades real quick. Like, no, damn it, no. <laughs> it, I mean, they do a good job because at the beginning of it, when you walk up to that first part where you, you get that beautiful vista, the light from that tunnel is, it's purely like white. Like, they transitioned it very well. It's just that for here, the light washes out a lot of the shapes that the enemies have, so it's hard to see them. And you would yeah, think I that. Guess, I guess I, I, I'm. I don't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. 
Um, so. There's some odd, like I know that that is a complaint that, I, that I've heard. Um, it doesn't necessarily bother me so much. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of cool with it. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, I, it's a small I, complaint, I, but it's, it's still I, I something. Yeah, I can see how you wouldn't like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, actually, I'm just flying around in that banshee right now. I don't know. Like, there's this big, like, pulsating laser beam in the background, and I kind of want to know what it is. Oh, is it off in the distance? Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's kind of like, man, another Lord of the Rings. I don't think you can get there, though. It looks like another Lord of the Rings reference coming up here. It kind of looks like the Eye of Sauron just, like, hanging up at the top of that tower. Oh, boy. He's just chilling. He's just Um, chilling. So so the part that he's at is after you get about halfway across the bridge, there's a gap in the top section of the bridge, so you actually have to drop down, walk across, and there's a Banshee sitting on the other side of that uh, gap in the bridge. Uh, At this point, you've gone through about three different groups of covenant and then there's a phantom there that's actually going to drop another group of covenant mostly grunts i think one of them is in the lead as well if you're fast enough you can get up to the banshee before the phantom actually drops it's kind of full payload and then take the banshee out get rid of the rest of the banshees there's two other banshees in the area so take them out with the fuel rod gun or just the regular plasma cannons on the banshee and then just go to work on the other ones, just kind of doing your flybys with the fuel rod or the uh, plasma cannons if you need to. Dude, you're not going to believe this. I just got splattered again by that damn ghost, that same one that gave me some crap earlier. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, kidding me? So after you take out uh, most of the enemies in that section, I find you don't have to take out all of them. You just have to take out a good majority of them before you get to the door because... Um, there will be one elite left and maybe a couple of jackals, but if you uh, position your banshee in such a way, and if you get rid of enough enemies, you can just hop out and then run through the door, and you can leave some of the enemies behind without having to clean up every single one. Um, and that will oh, lead you... Into sorry, this is a weird thing to point out. Um, there's a shotgun laying back there, and if you're like me, you think the shotgun should have been in this game uh, significantly more, go get that shotgun. I love the Halo 4 shotgun. It is Where's so the shotgun? Uh, it's on the bridge. Um, like there's oh. like a shotgun and a rocket launcher. Um, like I mean, if you're playing it on oh, a so there's a rocket launcher. Did it's you find the rocket launcher? Yeah, it's like midway on the bridge. Yeah. Oh, is it underneath? No, it's on the top. Um, it, I mean, like if you're playing a higher difficulty, you're probably gonna want that. Like if you're playing legendary, the shotgun is not. Don't don't get the shotgun. That's right. But um, if you're if you know if you're, like get that rocket launcher for sure. But um, yeah, if you're just playing just like a fun, just like just average difficulty, I have to that find sh- that shotgun. I have to point that out in the video run through. Yeah, um, the uh, shotgun is super awesome. I love like I love the sound. I love the animation for it. I love the redesign. It looks great. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I normally hate shotguns. Like I'm like if you use a shotgun on me in multiplayer, that's when I get a little bit pissed. But okay, uh, <laughs> note, yeah, to that, self. <laughs> yeah, note to self. Yeah. Uh, so after the bridge part, you get to your final area, and this is kind of a little bit more open with a uh, kind of a pavilion structure in the middle. And you have two turrets on the right and the left, or one on the right and one on the left. And then you have two ghosts that will come and uh, just uh, peck at you while, uh, with uh, yeah, their They'll plasma do a cannons. little bit more than peck at you. Uh, they, they make everything you're doing their business, and they do their damnedest to make yeah. sure that... And, uh, and one of the things in here is that once you go through that door, you're pretty much stuck. So you have to take out the ghost quickly, or uh, there's actually a weapon crate over to the left-hand side. Actually, both the left and the right. And, okay. um, if you go to the if you go to the right side, there's a rocket launcher and a saw with only with like two magazines or drum. Oh, cool. I guess that's I guess that's called a drum. I'm sorry, I'm calling this all wrong here. And then there's like an assault magazine rifle. drum close. Yeah, uh, and there's like a, there's a pistol and an assault rifle over here. If you go to the if you go to the right, and then if you go to the left, that's where all the saws are that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. So but, uh, pick, you, um, you rocket launcher with a handful of ammo. Yeah, so pick your pick your poison. If you're doing it, I think on heroic or legendary, on the right hand side there will be a beam rifle jackal. So watch Ooh. out for him. Ooh, actually, you know what, dude? There's a rocket launcher on the left side too. If you keep on going up, there's like another crate up there. So there, there's, so yeah, there's just like if you go to the left, there's essentially there's the same amount of rocket launcher ammo. Just How did I miss these rocket launchers before? Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I didn't know this either. So essentially, there there's like eight rockets just in this little courtyard here, and a bunch of saws. But if you go to the le- like, I mean like. I know, like, we're sitting here saying, like, if you go to the left or the right, you're like, well, why don't I go both? Well, when you're being shot at on a higher difficulty, your decision-making is a big deal. Like, I'm just playing on easy right now just because we're just running through it. And, right. But, uh, like, if you go to the yeah, – I'd recommend going to the left just because, yeah, you got a rocket launcher there and you have way more saw ammo. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Go that way. All then. Pretty sweet. So uh, pick a direction of which way you want to go and then 
you'll eventually have to take out the enemies on the other side and take out the enemies that are in the middle. There's, uh, I think on both sides, there's two grunts and two jackals, and then in the middle, there's two or three jackals, a grunt, and an elite. So take all of those guys out, and then you'll run under the big structure that's uh, in the middle, and then run up and back around. There's a group of grunts that you'll take out, and then there's a sword elite that'll charge you once you get up to that second level. So that would be a good time to use the noob combo if, if you have the weapons to do that, or take the yeah, saw, saw out. Rocket launcher or something, yeah. Yeah, or the saw or the rocket launcher. I didn't. I mean, I didn't know about those before, so I'd use the noob combo. But yeah, take take a rocket launcher or a saw to it, and you're set in business. Uh, then you have another choice to choose left or right again, and you can. Uh, I I don't really find an advantage to doing one side over another. You get the same amount of enemies. I, I actually just went the left for the first time ever. Like I always just normally just go to the right. You know, I'm, I'm right-handed. I don't know why. I just go to the right, right? Yeah, I've, and, I've uh, gone to the exact same amount of enemies. That they they have the same ammo. They have the same equipment. So I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it it doesn't really matter which side you go on. Uh, it's just a matter of preference. I think I found that I go to the right most of the time too. And I've found that sometimes if you're doing co-op, you can choose both ways. You can like you can split up if you want to and. The enemies will appear on both sides, but if you go up one side uh, as a whole party or if you're playing solo, then it's just those sides of enemies will spawn. The other side won't spawn any enemies, so you don't have to worry about the extra uh, enemies to deal with there. Yeah, so um, as soon as you get up here, though, there's there's going to be a couple of elites here. The big thing is, uh, like, I have a rocket launcher right now because I'm playing on easy, but if you're playing on legendary, there is an ammo crate here with two fuel rod guns, and right at the level above you are two hunters. Uh, boy, those come in handy. Yes. Well, I mean, if you're playing on Legendary 2, not all those fuel rods will take them out. <laughs> like, you, you I, still I have to put additional firepower into it, or at least I've found that's the case when you, whenever I'm playing. Um, I I'm actually, I'm sitting here messing with this hunter right now. I'm using the, uh, the hard light shield, and I'm, like, trying to compare our shields. Because, like, you know, like, how he'll sit there and smash you with his shield? Uh-huh. Uh, the hard light shield can deflect his shield, no problem. Well, I wonder if that's just a difficulty thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I, I figured there'd be, like, a physics issue with it, though. Because, like, if you get hit by the shield when you're not using hard light shield, like, when that when that hunter hits you, he sends you flying, right? Um, okay, there we go. That finally did damage for the first time, but it did not have the same physical impact. So, uh, hard light shield might be able to deflect the the, hunt, the hunter shield. I don't know. I'm, I'm just sitting here just messing around with this. Okay. Never actually, never actually tried to do that before. All right. Um... But yeah, after you take out those hunters, um, this is actually where you'll see the Sentinels helping you and, and shooting their laser beams at the hunters, although they kind of really don't do much. Um, but definitely pick up the fuel rod guns. If you're doing it with a buddy, you can definitely angle uh, or corner a hunter with the fuel rods and take them out pretty quickly. There's definitely going to be a lot of plasma grenades, too, from all the Covenant that you've killed. So go around, pick those up, and stick those to the hunters, and they'll... Uh, be the extra firepower that you need if you're doing it on Legendary to take them out. Uh, after you're done with that, you go into this big chamber, and this is where you actually find your first domain terminal. Um, or technically your first domain terminal throughout the uh, Halo 4 campaign. And this is the one that, if you like, were paying attention to all the news for Halo 4 when it was coming out, this is the one that you actually uh, saw. This is the Jewel Umdama terminal. And it actually has an achievement with it. If this is the first one that you found, which probably is, um, and the achievement for that is called Contact the Domain. It's worth 10 gamer score. And it's, of course, for finding a terminal in the campaign. Um, the terminal itself is underneath the ramp that goes up to the elevator uh, in this chamber. So before going up the ramp, go underneath it, and it's right there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm just uh, I'm hopping on to the, uh, the elevator thing that it gives yeah. you now. Um, I love how, like, it goes from, like, the, you know, like, this, like, green and gray environment that's out, like, green, blue, and gray that's outside, and then it goes into, like, the, the pale gray, blue, and orange Forerunner colors. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think this is the end of the level, because, uh, it yeah, is. Yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, it's cutscene, yeah. Yeah, so this is the end, this is where you, uh, walk out on the platform, and, and you're gonna plug Cortana into a console, and she's gonna, uh, try to figure out how to get a portal to the center of the planet. And then she says that she's reading data streams in here, and she says that something's not making sense. And then you see uh, your first encounter with knights. Yep. But 
Man, I'm just sitting here watching this right now. All I'm looking at, those animations, that walking animation, so good. <laughs> that, that, I don't know why. Like, I, I, I can't be the only person in the world that looks for this stuff. But this is just a marvel to me, just how good this looks. Just like just the animations of it all, just like walking, the turning. The, because this is like, like I don't want to start like a fanboy war or anything because I, I like Xbox better. But like PlayStation seems to me to be like the only console that really goes to like vast efforts to make sure this kind of stuff looks this good, right? Uh, like it, it just seems to be, it, it, I mean, Halo, Halo and Gears of War are like the two things Xbox has at this point. But um, like you normally only see this kind of stuff out of like Uncharted or Gears of War of, uh, or God of War. So good to see Halo doing like this level of animation. Just it looks so damn good. And like just looking, Cortana looks great. The, the, just the movements, her face, everything. Just they do good. They do really, really good. I think they'd be happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure they're listening in on this. Uh, Frankie, you did a really good job. Now, um. Listen, uh, I mean, you, you're going to have to make this happen now. You're going to have to get me a date with Mackenzie Mason. <laughs> I, she's the body actress for Cortana. I'm not going to lie. Flubbed it the first time I talked to her. So, um, do over. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him make that determination because I'm pretty sure I don't have any leeway in that. You don't have any authority on that? Uh, I'm, I'm afraid I don't. Sorry. Huh. All right. Yeah. Uh, give me your supervisor, please. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that that's pretty cool end of the level there where Chief has to, like, jump through that portal. Here, like, here's the thing. The, the, the thing about this, though, is, like, they're very surprised when they see the knights. What were they expecting? What were they honestly expecting? Hey, we're on this Forerunner planet. Huh. Something showed up to defend it? Well, that's weird. I didn't expect that. <laughs> I don't know if it was necessarily like that. It was just more or less, this is, it was a new thing. And... It was scary. It was new. It was scary. They did a very good introduction for him, yeah. actually. Yeah, it was cool. It was just it was just one of those things where it was like, huh, so you're telling me there might be inhabitants on this planet. That's weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. But yeah, so that was that was a fun level. That That is definitely that is probably the prettiest level in all of Halo before. Yeah, definitely one of the kind of it definitely shows off the art style of Halo. Like for... gameplay wise, it's pretty bl- like I don't want to say bland, but it's just very standard. You know, I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah. Just, it's just like it's good, but it's nothing like substantially different. It, it is one hundred percent an infantry level. It is meant purely. I guess you get the the the, the warthog. I guess so. Like I, like you're only fighting just ground forces. You know, just like the just ghosts. You're still early and, on in the campaign though, so that, yeah, that kind of makes sense. It's like it's one of those things where it's it's barely introducing you to these elements. I guess like it's like okay, so the first level we're gonna give you nothing but ground troops. The second level, we're going to throw in a couple of vehicles. Not, none of the major vehicles, but like just, just enough to like kind of get you just used to it. You know, and we're going to yeah. give you a lot more covenant weapons so you can know, like, hey, that you should probably start picking these things up and start using these. You know, that, you know, that, you know and stuff like that. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's still, it's still very early into the game. It's still very much an introductory level. Yep. But, uh, it's fun. It's a good level. Good level. Yeah. yeah it's, it's decent for what it is. Um, so. probably my least favorite level out of the bunch just because it's just, I mean, it's stuff that we've already done before, but it's definitely Fair the enough. level. It, like, in terms of gameplay, it's my least favorite, but it is the prettiest level in the thing. I'll, I'll agree to that. Yeah. So, it's, it's um, cool. that pretty much wraps up for this one. Uh, we'll do a video accompaniment to walk through all the terminal stuff that we saw at the beginning, and uh, there are some interesting weapon spawns as well that uh, may pique some interest to some people and we'll go over the rocket sponsors i didn't even know that they were even on this level to begin with yeah i want to thank uh brian for coming out and doing this with me hey thanks for having me so uh we will catch you guys in our next one which will be uh uh what was it forerunner yeah forerunner so until next time see you guys